The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest tonight is Unchained Brandon Day. How's it going, Brandon? Pretty good, man. Glad to be here. All right, that's good. So what have you been up to lately? And uh, after this this past weekend, I am just trying to rest and recuperate. I got a couple weeks off that I desperately need and uh, trying to heal up. All right. Let's um, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, where'd you grow up at? Um, I grew up in a small town uh, in Virginia named Stuart Straft. Um, lived there most of my life. Uh, went to college around the same area, Bridgewater, Virginia. And it just it was a small rural town, man. Like, it wasn't really much to it. Still, to this day, isn't much to it. Um, and I kind of lived in every area in Virginia as I got older as an adult. Um, from, I lived in Richmond for a while. I lived down near the beach for a while. Um, so just kind of a little bit all over there. And I've really only been uh, kind of in the Midwest for a couple of years now. All right. So what influenced you uh, to train to become a pro wrestler? That is all I have ever wanted to be and all I'd ever wanted to do. Um, I don't really, I don't have a clear memory of, of what my first memory of wrestling is. Um, I know that when I was one or two years old, um, I got a one of those My Buddy dolls for Christmas. And... I, there's a video somewhere of me just patiently waiting for somebody who was my dad or my granddad to, to get it out of the box and give it to me. And when they handed it to me, I slammed it on the floor and jumped on it to pin it. <laughs> that is priceless. Yeah. It's, so before I could articulate the thought of what do you want to be when you grow up, uh, a professional wrestler was that. And it's, uh, all I had ever wanted to do, um, and I it, just how and when, and you know that was kind of my uh, that was everything to me. It was all I was ever obsessed with. Um, I could have cared less about most other things. I mean, I played sports growing up and and everything, but uh, at the end of the day, all I wanted to be was a wrestler. That's pretty awesome. So um, when you started training to be a pro wrestler as well, you were trained by Taz. What was that like, and what did you learn from him? Um, so I, I trained with Taz. I trained with Taz later on. Um, my original training in Virginia, um, I, I trained in the same group or in the same school as uh, Mickey James and Sanjay Dutt. Um, and the, the reality is I learned a lot of what not to do. Um, 
I, you know, I got the basics and I, and I met some people that would have a, a big influence on me and, and, uh, try to help me along. But I, I didn't have, I didn't have anybody with experience. You know, I, I had guys that were trying to help me out, but they hadn't been wrestling that much longer than me. So there was only so much that they could teach me. Um, and I did started out when I was 15 years old. Um, it was 2000, I want to say 2010. Uh, so that was 2000. And so 2010 is when I went and trained with Taz at uh, his dojo in New York. And it was just uh, a harrowing experience. Taz is one of the guys that um, I looked up to and was a fan of and was somebody that I wanted to pattern myself after. Um, especially, you know, in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic, the, the Crockett era, you know, was, yeah. was king. So that was the guys that I came up around um, and that had been wrestling for a while when I started wrestling in that area. That's what everybody looked to. And I, I really enjoyed that. But, I mean, when I was a teenager, ECW was in its prime. Um, so Taz and Shane Douglas and guys like that were the ones that I looked at and were was really heavily influenced by early on. Uh, so I was I was ecstatic to be able to work with him. Um, and I didn't even know his school was around uh, a promoter and wrestler that I was working for. Uh, Mark Rivera had gotten into it because it wasn't it wasn't just like hey you'll pay your money and Taz is going to train you like he he didn't take guys that didn't have experience already he didn't take guys that he didn't have video of uh, wrestling as well as promos and then uh, if I remember right there was kind of a phone interview process. Um, with a guy named Mike Mitchell that was helping him run the dojo, who was not a wrestling guy, was a, a, a strength coach, um, but was just helping putting everything together for him. And Mark, if I remember right, it was actually the, the same day that I did my uh, TNA tryout. Uh, I did a couple matches on his show for Fusion Wrestling in Virginia, and it was like, I've been going up and working with Taz in New York, I think you would really benefit from it. Like, here's the information. Um, and so he, he looked at my stuff. He liked what he saw. He thought I had potential. Uh, and so I started going up there and, uh, he absolutely ripped me apart and tore me down to my core to where I was like, all right, well, I'm going to quit wrestling now because Taz thinks I suck. Um, but it became, he, he did that with a purpose. He ripped me down so that he could build me back up and you know, taught me about doing the things that I do well and not doing the things that I don't do well and, and finding my voice, for a lack of a better word, um, in pro wrestling, figuring out who Brandon Day was and uh, just having confidence in the ring. I just on the, the tail end of that, I walked into every event I was on, every match that I was in, with confidence that 
I'm I'm the best guy in this building. I'm the best guy in this ring. I'm going to have the best match on this card. Um, and and he just had a lot to do with that. And little things that I harp on now for other people as well as myself. It, it all stemmed from him trying to instill uh, intensity and intentionality and purpose with everything that we do. Hey, that is a very great attitude and a, a best way to go into it like that. I'm glad that really helped you out with all the confidence as well. Um, since you were like very confident as well and feeling good about yourself, you know, wrestling in a ring as well with your confidence, um, what was, you probably have had a lot. Um, what was one of the most uh, memorable matches and who you had great chemistry with in the ring? Where today you can still uh, get in that ring with your the same opponent and have a great match and story. Uh, so probably it probably will always go down that way. Uh, a guy that I did the, the Taz Dojo with Aiden Chambers and I uh, became a tag team. And we ended up doing, I want to say, we might have feuded with uh, a team called A1 uh, in Virginia for probably two years after that, um, which was a, a blessing in so many ways because I loved working with Aiden. Um, and he kind of was the yin to my yang. You know, all the things that I don't do well, he does incredibly well. And then I got to come in and be the cleanup guy. Um, but on the other side of that were a guy named Zach Hilton and then Jeff Early, who I hate to put over because he's a really good friend of mine and just hate putting him over. But uh, he, he was always my favorite guy to work with, whether it was a singles match or, or a tag team match. Um, and it, it's very funny. The three of those guys are, are no longer wrestling. Um, and Jeff very recently texted me about, Hey man, I think I want to do one more. Um, and I was like, all right, well, we can do that. But, uh, his wife put the kibosh on that pretty quick. So, you know, no, no more rematches, but the, the culmination of that was we did a, a series of matches and we did a 60 minute Ironman tag team match. Um, that I'm incredibly proud of in, uh, I think it was in 2012 or 2013, uh, that I would put up against any tag team match ever, to be honest with you. Um, and so just taking, uh, our style of wrestling, which is very fast paced and very hard hitting and being able to do that for 60 minutes, um, was very challenging but it it's something that i think will stand the test of time and you know you're talking about a match on a what an indie show in gloucester virginia with a, a tiny population where we were you know we had people coming from other states uh and put as many people in that building as could hold and we were the second half of the show i mean it was like three matches and then our match and uh, I feel like we really delivered on that. 
Um, so that's definitely my favorite, my most memorable match. Um, just because of, of how difficult and challenging it was. And uh, Jeff and I always had incredible, incredible chemistry, most of it being based around me throwing him on his head uh, in as many imaginative ways as we could think of. So it was just a lot of fun to work with him. Um, we didn't have a bad match with those guys, to be honest. We did a we we wrestled a Ring of Honor match at some point after that which was a, a really good match and honestly one of the better matches on the show and I think that was the worst match we ever did. So it, it was a great combination of guys that knew their strengths uh, and worked to it to put out the, the best thing possible. Yeah, speaking of as well as Ring of Honor, um, didn't you also work with the Young Bucks as well? Yeah, um... I was the one of the opponents for the Young Bucks in their debut Ring of Honor match uh, back when Ring of Honor was on HDTV. Um, so their very first match in the company was against me and um, Sal Nora. That must have been amazing to get in there with them as well. I bet you guys learned a lot from each other. Uh, I mean, you know, I, they... This was this was their upstart, you know. They, if I am recalling correct, I don't think they had been to even been to TNA at that point yet. Um, and uh, I knew who they were, but they were not nearly the the kind of name that they are now in wrestling. Um, and they were just, you know, it, it was a match for me that I knew what my responsibilities were I knew what I was told from my boss who at that time was Adam Pierce um and I, I went out there and, and did it to the best of my abilities and uh hopefully that's not the lasting note I leave in the wrestling business as I was uh, a benchmark in their careers but you know I, I feel like I did what I was supposed to do in that circumstance and you know it, it's one of those things that I'd like to have back uh, especially given how how big they are in wrestling right now, the things that I wish I would have done in that circumstance. Uh, but they were good guys. You know, I saw them for, that was in 2009. I was with Ring of Honor for most of that year. Um, so I got to see a lot of them. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a good time. I bet it was. And being part of Ring of Honor, um, was that a, a really great place to wrestle at, and was it a great locker room? Man, that's a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll I'll say this, and I I just told somebody this the other day. Okay. Um, I made every mistake that a professional wrestler probably could make in my time in Ring of Honor. Um, and I, I didn't do myself any favors in a lot of ways. Um, not in the ring. You know, that was the only place where I felt uh, perfectly fine, like like everything was going well. Um, but it was a very strange time because uh, Adam Pierce was the, the booker at the time, and he, he knew me. We knew each other from 
especially when he was the NWA world champion, he would come through and, and work with us a lot. Um, and I had a good relationship with him. And uh, the the bottom line was he was trying to get me a job. He was, he was getting me on the shows. I was being booked. I was wrestling uh, on virtually every show they had on the East Coast. Uh, he was getting me matches on TV. And the, the idea was, you know, let's get you a real job where you're, you're a full-time member of the roster. And knowing that, I, I didn't have the right attitude um, going into things, and I made uh, made I, I wouldn't say enemies, but I didn't make friends uh, with a lot of the guys that at that point in time would have been on my level on the card. Um, you know, I knew I was what was going on for me as far as Adam in the office, but. They didn't. They just saw a guy they didn't know uh, who they thought wasn't acting the way they they expected. And it, it just didn't work out. Um, and I kind of realized as I was getting towards the end of that year that, hey, this is not going to happen right now. This is not This is not my time. This is not the, the giant break that I thought it was going to be. And uh, I discussed it with Adam, and he was... You know, he, he was on his way out, too. So it was just kind of this mutual thing, like, all right, I, I think then uh, I'm done for now, and, and we'll see about things in the future. And I did end up working there, that tag match, uh, later on, a couple years later, and, and did some other things there. So it was a really strange time for me professionally. Um, but it was an incredible time to just kind of watch uh, the things that were developing. This was right before all of the, the top Ring of Honor guys left. So right before Daniel Bryan left, Seth Rollins, Nigel McGinnis, Austin Aries, uh, all of those guys were still there. You know, this was their, really, I think they all left kind of towards the end of 2009, too, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Um, so getting to look at look back and, and see those guys, and then even just seeing how they developed. You know, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but two guys that are making real good money with the WWE right now, I watched not be able to put together a 45-second promo about the next week's show. You know, they, they, they struggled to basically say, hey, me and so-and-so are going to fight next week in Pittsburgh, be there. And they just couldn't do it. And it was gratifying to me to know, I'm like, all right, I can, I can talk, I can, I can use a microphone, I can talk in front of the camera. You know, these guys are incredibly talented in the ring, but they don't have everything put together yet. They do now, you know, but uh, it was fun to see those kind of things. I got to learn from uh, I got to learn from Adam and Devo Brown and uh, Austin Aries and, and guys like that. And so it was just a, a good experience as far as that's concerned. Mm-hmm. Not my best moments in wrestling, certainly. And I, I didn't make the most of the opportunities that I had. But, you know, live and learn. And that just wasn't my wasn't my time. Wasn't 
wasn't my opportunity at that point. Hey, that's pretty good. That's a good story. Um, also, um, you are also uh, part of uh, War Wrestling as well. And um, how did you become part of War and working with uh, Thomas Williams? Yes. Um, it, it's so funny how things come together. Um, so I, I mentioned that I thought, and I'm positive now that uh, the first time Mark Revere told me about training with Taz was my TNA tryout. Yeah. Um, and at that TNA tryout, I met Sherman Shank, Sherman Tank. Yeah. And I can't if Joey Vengeance was there or not. Um, but the first time I got to Long Island with Taz's dojo, Taz wasn't there yet. I walk in the room and Sherman Tank's standing there. And I was like, hey, I know you. You know me. And that just developed a, a friendship that, you know, is still there to this day. And so Tank had been working with uh, with Tom and War for a long time. And um, my uh, my mom and my stepsisters and, and everybody is in that area of Ohio. And so I just took the opportunity when I was up here visiting or, you know, taking an opportunity to do that, that... Uh, he ended up reaching out to Tom and, and getting me booked. And uh, I think one year in particular might have been uh, might have been 2010, 2011. I was up here basically all summer and you know worked all of the the fair shows and a couple of the regular shows for War. And you know it was just kind of this relationship that I developed with Tom, where you know if he could use me, he would use me. Um, and once I moved into the area, you know, I, I called him up and Tom is, is somebody I get along with a lot because there's, it's no bullshit with him. You know, he says exactly what he thinks. Um, and I'm the same way. It, it's not very often that you'll find people in wrestling that are willing to do that. And he's one of those people and I'm one of those people. So we've always gotten along, and he appreciates what I can bring to the product. Um, and I, I don't think I haven't been on a war event uh, in almost the last three years, with the exception. I think I missed one uh, with an injury a summer or two ago. Um, and so it's it's just a really great place to wrestle. Uh, he always takes really good care of his talent, which is far more than most can say in pro wrestling. Um, and I really appreciate all the opportunities I have there and all the opportunities I've gotten from there. Uh, you know, my wrestling for, for future great wrestling and, and some of the other places that I'm wrestling uh, currently, that stuff comes as a result of Tom putting the word out for me or Tom allowing me to, you know, use him as a reference or uh, being able to say, hey, I'm on all of these shows. I can be on your shows, too. You know, it's a lot, I owe a lot of what I'm doing right now to being on the war roster uh, so consistently for the last couple of years. 
And speaking of uh, future great wrestling, before we get into it as well, um, you also um, had some great chemistry and you worked with a guy we both know, uh, Ripper Blackheart. It's funny because I was uh, I was put with Ripper when I first started wrestling at War in, in those original shows before I was a regular there, um, and that's just something that he was managing Sherman Tank and, and Chris Hall at the time, and that was just the the in that I had. And um, when I when I came back up here, it was the my first event. Uh, I was brought in as a hired gun to take out Matt Taylor, um, and it all stemmed from there. And I think it it comes down to, you know, I I know what he does, and he allows me to do the things that I do, and I, I think that's great. That's great chemistry for anybody. Um, whether it's somebody who's the, the your manager outside the ring or your manager, you know, the, the guy you're wrestling's manager or your tag partner or your opponent, um, just understanding what the other person brings to the table allows for that chemistry to develop. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's great over there as well. And um, when you're talking about, you know, heading over to Future Great Wrestling as well, you know, since, you know... Uh, you know, you um, were having a feud with Ripper. We'll get into that in a minute. But when you were heading over to Future Great Wrestling, um, you did work with Cody Hawk as well. Um, did you work with him a little bit before uh, um, you decided to go over to and uh, make your debut over at Future Great Wrestling? Um, Cody and I, I think we had uh, we had one match. Uh, a long time ago against each other and then we were partners uh, in corruption in war for better part of a year maybe a year and a half uh, before that that disbanded so I'd been in the ring with Cody a lot uh, never really just that one time as opponents um, but Cody's one of those guys that's been around a long time and really has a a great reputation uh, and that's something I tried to I think I iterated to uh, some of his students over these past however many months I've, I've been wrestling there that that's invaluable for people to know who your trainer is in a positive light um, it's part of the reason I don't say the names of the guys that, that train me to begin with because it doesn't matter and you, you don't know who they are. Um, there's no credibility there and that's not to say they're not great wrestlers and they didn't know what they were doing. Um, but I'm not going to be able to put their name on a resume and have somebody go, yeah, that guy knows what he's doing. I know what this guy is going to do. Um, that's why I talk about working with Taz because he has that credibility um, and Cody has that you know, as a guy that's trained top guys. So I, I think that's a phenomenal attribute for his, his students to have and uh, just a, a good guy to be around. 
I think so too. He's done so much for me as well. Um, he's helped me a lot too, and I totally agree with you. Um, he's, uh, you know, I have, you know, no complaints. He's just a great guy. Um, I've also gotten into the ring with him a few times to train with him a little bit as well, just to, you know, feel like what's it like to, you know, be trained in, um, behind the rope like how you wrestlers go through it, you know, like day by day, you know, night by night and all that. I just went in it just to just to learn. I wasn't going in to be like a wrestler or anything like that. Um, I wanted to learn everything, you know, about, you know, um, the the business. So I got in there and, you know, uh, Cody looked at me and, you know, totally respected me and said I had balls. <laughs> I mean, anybody that gets in the ring does because it's a it's a scary thing it's a dangerous thing i think that in today's climate that people see more of, of what wrestlers go through on a day-to-day basis and the toll it takes on us and stuff so I mean, there's i think it, things are getting better for us in that regard but uh you know it, it's no joke it, it's it's not you know it I, the, uh, you know, I mean, we can get into it as we go through it, but uh, this time off that I'm getting right now is, you know, I'm, it, it's a result of being in the ring. You know, it's a result of being in the ring for 19 years, but it's a result of being in the ring a lot over the last six months. Um, and it's just nothing to be taken lightly by anybody. I totally agree with you as well on that. And, you know, I learned a lot, you know, that's why, you know, I'm part of uh, Future Great Wrestling. Um, yeah, Cody opened up my eyes to a lot of things, you know, like how you probably learned some stuff from him as well. So when you finally came over to um, FGW, uh, what were you thinking at the time to, um, you know, come to this great promotion that is really growing here in the, in the Cincinnati area? And then speaking of Ripper, which we're talking about, um, you got in there and started feuding with him, and then from there you've been working with his son in the ring. Um, when I when I came in, I, you know, it was a, a combination of a lot of things. One, it was you know, I'm this is this is my job, so finding events to wrestle on, um, and you know, that, that's a big part of the gig is getting myself booked. Um, and so, uh, we, we talked about what that would look like and agreed to, uh, a certain amount of time and, you know, using that time wisely, that's, that's the key is, um, I'm at a point in my career where I can be helpful in a lot of different ways, but I think I can really be helpful in helping, uh, young talent develop. And, uh, you know, the, the big thing with coming in is, uh, Space Invader, Logan Blackheart was pretty much shoved at me and said, Hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, took the ball and, and went from there. It was something I could really sink my teeth into, something that I could get creative with, something that had legitimacy to it, which I think, can never be understated in professional wrestling that no matter what is is said about what we do and you know what it is and if 
if it's not real, if it, if it's not even touching real, uh, nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to get it into it. It's not going to make anybody any money. It's not going to make anybody any better. Um, so it had to be real. Um, and I try to, to pride myself on being a guy that regardless as to what the situation is, people walk away from my matches and my segments watching it on TV or, or whatnot and go, man, that was, that was real. Was that real? Like, even if you can create that doubt in somebody's mind, um, it is so important. And, and I do that. I try to do that in a way that is different than everybody else. You know, I don't want to be the same as everybody else. And so this was an opportunity to do that for me. And, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good experience for me. Oh, shoot. It was a good, it was probably a lot of good experience for uh, Logan as well. Cause when you guys really, um, you know, worked it in the storyline, all that, that was, that was just brilliant, man. I mean, you, um, you guys look good in the ring together and you also made Logan look good as well. I appreciate that, man. You know, it's, it's my job. So but I, <laughs> I take pride in, I, I take pride in what I do in wrestling and what I do in the ring and I, I don't fault I don't fault anybody who's who's not in it for a career, who's not in it for the long haul um, but I take it extremely seriously and I expect the people around me to do so as well so you know that's that's my goal at all times all right, now let's talk about that chain. Is there like a story behind that chain? I mean, it's it, it sounds silly, but I was really I was kind of trying to, to just search. I, I needed something, and I didn't know what that thing was. And it came from uh, I did a I did a Ring of Honor tryout. And at the end of the tryouts, it was, it was yes or no. It was yes, we're going to put you on TV tomorrow, or no, you don't have what we're looking for, you know, whether that was yeah. you're going to have it, or, you know, you, you have something, but you're not ready yet. It was, those were the two answers. Okay. And in that, in that tryout, there were three guys that got a yes. There were about 50 guys that got no and there was exactly one guy that got eh, maybe and I was that guy and it was it came down to you're, you're a great worker you can talk I don't know what I'd do with you and uh, I was like you put me in a cowboy hat for all I fucking care like just give me a job <laughs> um, so I was missing something and I didn't know what that was and nobody could tell me what that thing was and probably for, for my own betterment that I had to find it myself but it just came down to I, I really became convinced I needed a thing and I was trying to find that thing and the chain kind of came to me in you know I thought about it in a lot of different ways um, 
it, it was, all right, here's this thing that I can use. This is a thing that I can be identified with that, worst case scenario, this is the guy that carries the chain. But it was so much more than that for me because it really opened up the, just the scope of who Brandon Day is. It might be the, the mean guy that carries the chain and beats people up with it, but the, the real the real meaning behind it is, is about not being chained. It's about being free. It's about being unchained, unfettered, uh, not bound to the expectations or the rules of anybody else. And a lot of it stems from that conversation where I don't know what I'd do with you. Well, fuck you. What I'd do with me is put me in a ring, put me on TV and let me make you money because I'm an damn good professional wrestler and it was that mindset that I keep trying to adhere to what other people want me to be and what other people want me to do it's like when somebody asks me hey are you a good guy or a bad guy I'm neither I'm Brandon Day and Brandon Day is the same today tomorrow and the next day because he's not going to fit into the box that everybody else fits into and there's arguments against that, and, and I see those arguments about how people would, you know, say there, there needs to be white and black in wrestling. But I found a way to walk that gray line. And part of that was me trying to find myself for so long with Taz helping me find a big part of that. And I think picking up that chain and it just feeling natural and feel like this is something that I could get behind um, and was something that I kind of, I utilized particularly uh, in a promotion that I, I don't even think exists anymore, Nova Pro Wrestling in Virginia. And it just took off. And it started to become the thing that I identified myself with. And, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what situation I'm put in in professional wrestling, I've got this 15-foot chain with me at all times. There's a way to make it work, you know? Whatever whatever route I need to go, I can utilize with that. And it just gives my me the ability to tap into that side of me. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to explain that it took me 15 years <laughs> pick up the chain and feel like I found myself but that's that's just the, the case it's you know it was me finding the object but then at the same time the object kind of defined the characteristics about me that I that I thought were there all along just to intensify them hey that is a great story I was just curious about the chain that's good I mean it, it, it's perfect for you um, when um, when Brandon Day's not in the ring what do you enjoy doing outside the ring I'm a homebody man um, I I stay at home <laughs> I, I I wrestle a lot I go to the gym a lot and and then I come home and watch Arrow, you know, like, that's kind of, that's all I do, I don't have, you know, the, 
I was never a big partier, and as I get older and, you know, I have a family, like, that that's the only thing that matters to me at the end of the day. At, at this point, it's the only thing that, I don't know, it's, I, that's not true to say. It's not the only thing, but it's the biggest thing that drives me uh, to continue in professional wrestling is the ability to do something that I love, but to be able to provide uh, for the people that matter most to me. And so to be able to come home and just hang out with the family and the dog and, uh, you know, we're getting ready to put up the Christmas tree and that kind of stuff, that's that's the stuff that matters most to me. Um, that and watching hockey. <laughs> so You're a big hockey fan, huh? Who's your team? Uh, New York Rangers, man. I started watching hockey in 94 when they won the cup and uh, suffered a, a great many years of misfortune thereafter, um, especially lately, but hopefully we're turning the corner uh, on this rebuild so we can get back in the playoffs and make a run. So, um, have you? Um, I know you were like over in New York as well and all that. Um, did you ever go to a bunch of New York Ranger games as well? Um, when I was in Virginia, especially, it was easy to get to the uh, Canes games, the Hurricanes games, because they were terrible. <laughs> so the tickets were, were cheap, and we'd always win. So so that was good. Um, last year, my my wife is a Blackhawks fan, so I I took the whole family to see them play in Chicago. And I mean, it was a good game until the third period, but they they won like six to three or something ridiculous, and I just I was over it. I didn't want to be there anymore at that point. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it's one of the things that she and I bonded over, and it's you know my my kids a Rangers fan, much to her displeasure. So it, it's a lot of fun to do that, and. Looking forward to hopefully getting to some more games this season. Hey, that's pretty awesome. Um, that's cool. Um, how you, uh, what you just mentioned, how how you like Arrow. Um, I love Arrow, and it's sad. It's its final season. Right, I'm only in season two, man. Like we, I started watching it. It was one of those shows where, like, a big supernatural fan, and back in the day. Buffy and Angel and those type of shows, um, Agents and Shield stuff like that. So really into those those types of things, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, this is something we haven't watched. I hear it's good. Um, this guy wrestles every once in a while. Like we we should watch it, and just really got hooked. So it's about halfway through season two now, knocking out a, like three episodes a night. So we'll we'll catch up soon. Oh, you will. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to see Oliver uh, mature and be more of a badass. And like I said, uh, this season, it's its final season. So you'll eventually see it as well. And yeah, um, Stephen Amell, you know, who plays Arrow. Yeah, he has wrestled a lot um, when um, they finally did All In for the very first time before AEW was born. uh um, me and uh, David Stockwell, my uh, you know best friend, we went up to Chicago and saw All In for the very first time, and we saw Stephen Amell um, get in the wrestling ring as well. And um, 
you know, he's not a um, bad athlete in the ring as well. I mean, he does his own stunts. And the funny thing about Stephen Amell is he's getting ready to do a show on the Stars Cable Channel where he plays a professional wrestler. I had heard about that, so I'm pretty. I, I'm interested in seeing that. I and I remember. I, I think I read something about why he doesn't wrestle more often. It makes a lot of sense. He got he got hurt the last time he was on a show, and it stopped production on the show. So I mean, you can't. You can't stop the big money deal to go do your side gig, so I can certainly understand that. But no, I'm I'm into it. I'm into a lot of those types of things, and so it's 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 an exciting show to watch. And you know, it's one of those things. I get my influences on on the things that I say and do in wrestling from outside of wrestling. I I really don't watch a lot of wrestling anymore. Um, and when I do, it's nothing current, and that's not even, that's not me slamming the current product, it's just, it, it doesn't interest me, um, and I don't want to be influenced by what's happening now. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, Everybody else is doing it. Oh, exactly. Um, I grew up in the 80s when, you know, wrestling was really great, you know, when, uh, kayfabe was still around and all that great stuff, and, you know, there was no internet, you had to read, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, or if you were like involved in watching a wrestling program, you had to watch it every week to see what was going to happen next. And like I said, I miss those days. Yeah, I mean, even you know, it's it's such a it's such a different world than even what the the wrestling business was when I started. And in 1999, I was throwing drop kicks in a guy's backyard with no ring. And why he had me throwing drop kicks as the first thing we ever did, I'll never know. But uh, and and not being able to get trained because they didn't know where to go, mm-hmm. you know, I had to go to a show to go. Oh, hey, they say they have a training school, and that's how it happened. And now all you have to do is Google it. You know, now all you have to do is Google rent a wrestling ring, and buy tights and boots and. It's readily available to anybody that wants to do it, and that's not a good thing, in my opinion, but um, to come into the business at a point in time where there weren't top guys out there training people, and there was virtually nowhere to work. Um, You know, when I came in, WCW was folding, ECW was gone. It was WWE, and that was it. There was nothing. It was WWF. It wasn't even WWE at the time. Um, and if you weren't a six foot six bodybuilder that they wanted to teach how to wrestle, you weren't going to get in. Period. Yeah. Come full circle now to where there are so many places to work, and there's so many different types of guys of all shapes and sizes. And uh, for me to be wrestling such a full schedule and making money in pro wrestling. Um, it's really mind-blowing and no matter how how beat up or or banged up or or pissed off I get about things in wrestling I'm incredibly blessed and grateful that I stuck around long enough to see this era and can be even just a small part of it but to reap the benefits of it you know it took a while but to be a part of a time when 
business is changing in such a positive way in, in that retrospect, in a business way at least, um, it's phenomenal. Oh, I totally agree. So where can everybody find you on social media if they want to know what Unchained Brandon Days can be doing next? Uh, I'm on Facebook as Brandon Day. Um, my Twitter, which is very rarely used, is, is uh, FlawlessDay83. And uh, my Instagram is G2Hurt. All right. Um, Brandon, um, it was a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. And it's also been a pleasure getting to, to know you on Friday nights at Future Great Wrestling as well. I mean, we've done like a, you know, a promo together as well. And, you know, and, you know, I've learned so much from you as well. It's just a pleasure, you know, getting to know you and plus for you coming on to the podcast tonight. Uh, and I appreciate it, man. I, I like doing these kind of things. I talk a lot, so <laughs> it's cool for, for somebody to actually want to hear me. Um, you know, and I'm, like I said, I got, got some time off now. Um, it may unfortunately be longer than, than I want it to be, but, uh, hopefully I can get back down there, uh, in the new year and get back to what I was doing. I hope I get to see you again at, you know, a future great wrestling. I would love to do another promo with you, um, uh, a longer one this time around, too. I think I think it would be fun. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm all for it. Like I said, I like to talk. So if anybody <laughs> lets me talk, I'll talk all day long. I know. You probably probably talk Ripper's ear off, too, <laughs> the way how you were calling them out in the ring. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So that's okay. He likes to talk too. Ripper and Logan Blackheart uh, reaches its conclusion, something that uh, I feel pretty proud of. So, you know, everybody check that out. And then uh, just check check my social media about where I'm going to be next. Uh, Like I said, I got a couple weeks off. Um, I think I'll be back at Powerbomb Wrestling here in uh, two weeks on... Man, it's late at night. I don't know what time it is. <laughs> but 24th, there in Toledo, be the, the next event that I'm on. Nice. And, uh, yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. Oh, anytime. Um, everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Russell Popcast. You can follow Russell Popcast on Facebook at Russell Popcast One, Twitter at uh, Russell Popcast, and you can listen to my episodes on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Podcast City at podcastcity.net and everybody have a great evening. Bye.